right now, just in this atmosphere, just close your eyes. I just want you to thank God for something that He's been faithful in. Just you personally. What has God been faithful in for you? Is it in your marriage, your workplace, your kids? What are you grateful to God about? Grateful to God for your salvation. And because of what God did, you can have peace with God. He's no longer your enemy. He smiles at you when He thinks of you. He loves you. All my life. All my life you have been faithful. Just sing it softly. And all my life you have been so, so good. Oh, you're so good, God. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. His presence is here. Let it be a resource. Let it just fill up your tank right now. His presence, His encouragement, His hand in the small of your back, just saying, You can do this. You're not alone. You're not alone. His goodness, His faithfulness. Not based on whether we've been faithful. Not based on whether we've been good. Oh, He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. You can take your seats. You know, I think that song resonates in all of our spirit because God has been faithful to all of us. You know, you may be going through something really tough right now, but it doesn't mean that God hasn't been faithful at some stage. He is faithful. He is faithful. doesn't matter on our faithfulness. When we're faithless, He is faithful. He's going to have faith on your behalf. He's faithful. He's got faith that you're going to get through this. You're going to champion this. You're going to overcome It's very, very cool. Well, welcome to Provision for the Vision Sunday. Because it's a special day in our church, I thought I'd wear a suit. And I was hoping Pastor Fred was going to be here so he would see me wearing a suit. So uh, I expect a picture on Facebook, right? uh, You know, Pastor Fred has probably got more followers than anyone, right? He's got got 5,000 YouTube subscribers. He's telling me now that his church is bigger than it ever was when he was pastoring. Right? He's got the biggest church everywhere. So uh, we love Pastor Fred and Mrs. Evans. Just uh, wonderful. So uh, welcome to Provision for the Vision Sunday. You know that at my last church, we would dress up in a suit and tie every single Sunday. Every Sunday we would dress up in our Sunday best. We would wrap the present for Jesus. All right, so uh, there you go.
So we're going to receive in just a moment now provision for the vision offering. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for your prayerfulness. I want to thank you for your obedience. And I want to thank you for the faith and the sacrifice that's associated with your giving. You know, on every chair, you got like a little envelope here. And uh, it has all the different things on it. And we have a pen. If you need a pen, someone will give you a pen and that. And so basically too, is that I realise that the day of, you know, like having a collection point here or a day of, you know, passing something around doesn't so much work because so many of us give online. We've made up, we're going to do it this week and, and along those lines. So it's a little bit different. So, but yet you sit here and you think, well, does someone think I'm not giving or I don't care or, or anything like that because you're not doing something. So even if you're giving during the week, you don't have to write the amount. Just maybe fill that in on this. Uh, and then, you know, we can, uh, and then it just makes you that sense of actually doing something rather than just pressing the button on a computer and that. So uh, you want to do that and it just makes you feel. And also too, if you didn't want to give and you don't feel to give, we love you as well. So it's not like a big deal. This is about obedience to uh, what you feel God is saying, not to what I'm saying. Remember, you're not giving so much to the church. The church is using it, but you're giving unto God. And so whether you do so or not, that's not for me to deal with. That's uh, between you and God, and that's how I want to keep it. But uh, it is a special Sunday. It's something that we do, and it's kind of it's a faith thing. It's uh, something as a pastor, you feel like, I don't want to be talking about money all the time. But at the same time, I do understand that if you actually catch the revelation of giving, that you always will have enough, right? That it actually does work. And as you trust God in your finances, it does come true. So as a pastor, even though I feel sometimes I don't want to just be banging on about it, I also feel I actually have the responsibility because it is helpful. It is something that will help you. So we're going to ask you just to fill that in. As we do, we're going to watch a a video and listen to a song. But this is what I want you to see as we watch the video. As you prepare your offering, as you write down the different things that you're going to do, this is what I want you to see. I want you to see what it is that your offering builds. I want you to see young people getting saved. I want you to see young people getting saved. I want you to see new people coming to Morayfield. You know, every time I go to Morayfield, there's another family come, another people come. The, the, the things that are going on there are just, just fantastic. I want you to see new families integrated into Warner, feeling like this is their home, that, that there's other family people that are just going to look after them and love them. I, I want you to see upgraded facilities that you're proud when you bring someone to. You go, wow, look at the church has got this and the church has got that, that you're actually proud to bring your friends and relatives to. I want you to see a, a message of Jesus going around the world, that even though we're here in Warner, Brisbane, Australia, that your giving is doing something in Bolivia. Your giving is doing something in Cambodia. Your giving is doing something in the top of Western Australia with our Indigenous. Like, your giving is doing something. You may never get there. You may never see that, but your giving enables us to do that. And I want you to see new locations for Emerge Church on, uh, on the north side of Brisbane. 
This offering today is not really about today. It's about tomorrow. In the video that we've seen lots of times, right, which I worked out was probably a little bit too long, but uh, we live and learn, right? So uh, on the video, I spoke about that we're in the building essentially that other people paid for. You know, in Redcliffe, here at Warner, we sit in a building that other people have essentially paid for. When this church was established, there were men and women who actually put their house on the line. They guaranteed their house against the loan that the church took. That takes some moxie. I, I'm a pastor. I couldn't ask that of someone, right? It's just it's not in me. So I, I go hero to the, to the pastor who was able to ask people to do that. And that people said yes to that. And a lot of those people, some of those are in heaven right now. Some of those people don't come here anymore. But we are beneficiaries of what they did, of their giving and of their sacrifice. And so you may not personally get a particular benefit out of this giving, but generations are. You know, on a Sunday night when our youth came back, I remember standing over there because they're all like a sweaty mess over here. Right? And, uh, and, and I just remember looking and I just watched them worship. And there was this hunger for the things of the Holy Spirit. I hearken back to when I was a younger person and the sense of God was just all over me and this hunger that was within me. And you know, what I can deal with and what's okay for me is not okay for that generation. They want a better this and they want a no, because that's what they see. Image and uh, the screens and all of those things. And so we need to do that, not so much for us. To be honest, we can, I can deal with an overhead projector, right? Like, but other people need other things. That's what we're giving to. We're giving to the future. We're giving to the future of uh, Emerge Church. You know, we have three fantastic locations right now and uh, believing that we're going to have five. But uh, today's offering is really for people you may never see. Right? You think about the people that get saved, the people that are sitting here right now. When those people gave a generation ago, they did it because they saw you, even though they never met you or saw you. And I think it's fantastic. So while we watch the video, take a moment, fill in the slip, and uh, we're not going to receive We're just going to have, at the end of the service, we'll have uh, ushers and buckets that you're able to do that with. We're just going to have a giving moment prayer afterwards. But just watch this video. And as you do, fill in the envelope. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. On Christ alone, our chief cornerstone, no other foundation can we build upon, not philosophy. Nor the wisdom of man, all other ground is sinking sand. Upon this rock, you build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. When we In Jesus' name, we will not fail. 
Build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. It's your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. Where your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. It's your church, build your church, build your church. Build it from the ground up, where your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up, it's your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up, where your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up, it's your church, build your church. kingdom but the kingdom of God. We want to see it extended, oh God. We want to see people saved and discipled, oh God. We want your church to be built and the cry and the name of Jesus Christ to be declared and to be proclaimed boldly and loudly from this place, oh God. Build your church, oh Lord. Build your church. Build your church. Build your church. Use these monies, use these giving that people have done, oh God, to build your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take your seats. We're going to receive that at the end. I, um, I don't like it when I get emotional. I don't. I really don't. I hate it. I wish I didn't. But... The church is what Jesus left behind. 
The church is what Jesus left behind. He ascended into heaven. He sat at the right hand of the Father. And he left the church here on earth. That's God's vehicle. We're going to speak about that this morning. Thank you, guys. Come on, let's give them a hand. They did a great job. Today we did something a little bit different that I don't think I've ever done before and I haven't seen done before. But in our staff meeting this week, because we're doing provision for the vision here in Warner and also at Redcliffe and Morayfield, what we thought we'd do is that we would collaborate as a staff and we all together came and brought today's message to place. So pretty much the words that I'm speaking today, Pastor Dave is going to be speaking at Redcliffe and Pastor Joe at uh, Moray Field, and, and I just think it's great. I, I just think it's just something different. So it's a collaborative message around building God's house, around building uh, God's church. So what's our theme this year? Live. Come on, you can do better than that. What's our theme this year? Live. live. That's right. And so today, I want to speak about live building God's house. I, I, I love that song. It gets into my spirit. We always try and find a song that represents the spirit of what God is wanting to say. So we did that at the start of this year with the word live, and we use that song rattle. And at different times, we've used those songs. And I feel that this song very much captures what I'm wanting to say today. See, your giving today builds God's house. You sacrificially and in faith gave of your substance into the house of God, and we will then use that to build stuff and do stuff around the church, to, to build the kingdom. You know, like in, we're here, we'll probably get some sound and vision. At Redcliffe, we're going to put in a playground. In uh, Moray Field, we need to just keep improving all the different things because we got a bit much of a shell, and so we have to keep on improving that. And hopefully some of this will go towards us being able to purchase that property because in the end, I think it's best to own stuff rather than pay off someone else's mortgage, which is good for your own life too, by the way, if you can. Right, so to be honest, giving is one of the most practical ways in which you can build God's house. You've done that in your giving. Our giving that you do every week in your tithes and offerings is fantastic. So thank you for that. That's very, very practical and gives directly into building God's house. There's only one other way that is more practical to build God's house. And that's happening on September the 18th. Everyone say September the 18th. Right? So on September the 18th, we have a church working bee. All right? So we're all excited about that, aren't you? All right? So there's no other way. You can build something. You can paint something. You can clean up something. So I think it starts at 8 o'clock. It's behind me. Oh, there it is. From 8 o'clock, breakfast is provided, right? So what we really want to do is we just want to get our place looking good. You know, we have our summit coming up, which I'm going to talk a little bit about later, which I believe is going to be special and excellent. And uh, we just want it to look good. And sometimes you just need to get in and do some work. We've got a big hedge at home, and every three to four months, we just got to hedge that thing. It's a, it's a lot of work. I don't really love doing it. It's not something I go, oh, beauty, it's hedge day, right? Uh, but what happens is that because we just do it every now and again, we're able to maintain it. And we don't have to pay someone a ridiculous amount of money to come and do it because it's just gone crazy. 
And that's what we want to do. We just want to get our church, our grounds looking fantastic, doing all the different things, fixing up all those little things. So you want to help build God's house? That is the most practical way in which you can do that. See you 8 a.m., right, for, uh, for, for that in, on the September the 18th. Now, the church is important to God. One of the express reasons that Jesus came to earth was to actually bring the church. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, Jesus is speaking to Peter, and he says, on the rock of revelation of Jesus, on the fact that heaven revealed Jesus to you, that's what we're going to build the church on. It's not built on Peter. It's built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, you've heard me say many times, but the Greek word here for church is the word ecclesia and simply means this, to leave your home and gather together. The coming out of your home to meet together was one of the main reasons Jesus came to this earth. Think about that. One of the express reasons, one of the most important reasons that Jesus came was so he could build the church, so that you could leave your home and there would be a public declaration of who Jesus is. I think that's amazing. And what does it say? When that happens, and when that happens properly, that the gates of hell will not prevail. So gates is a defensive mechanism. Gates are not a, an attack mechanism. Gates are a defensive mechanism. And what it's saying is that hell cannot stop the advance of God when church is built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. It can't. It goes on defensive. Hell goes on defensive. God designed the church as a weapon. And what does it say? That the gates of hell won't hold. It, it, it can't stop no matter how strong they are. The, the, the ram of the church of God breaks down those gates and then we can go in and plunder hell and hell holds people. That's, that's what it's about. Hell will be plundered when the gathering of God's people bringing about the heaven-sent declaration of who Jesus is. Church done right puts hell on the defensive. When the church works right, I was thinking about it, I had this picture. right? When, when the church works right, hell goes into turmoil. Hell goes into chaos. You know, in a basketball game in America, when the team is wanting to the, be on the defence, the crowd starts yelling, defence, defence, defence. I think when the church starts preaching the name of Jesus, all of a sudden hell goes, defence, defence, defence. But you know what? Jesus got a great layup and a great slam dunk. And hell cannot prevail. Hell cannot prevail. To live this year, we need to see his church built up. Now, as a pastor of the church, I can sometimes feel conflicted about speaking about these things because I'm the one who directly benefits, in a sense. You know, as a pastor of the church, church grows. I'm a better pastor. Everyone else thinks that. It's not true. It's lies, right? It's just, but that's what can happen. So I don't want to be like a salesman today and just kind of tell you the features and benefits. But I do want to say this. The best salesmen in the world 
are those people who actually believe in the product that they're selling. Because they don't have to sell it to you. They don't have to hype it up to you. They don't have to feign excitement. They just have to tell you. And so today, I just don't have to sell the church to you. I just have to tell you about the church. And that's what a great salesman is able to do. He just tells you rather than sells you. So I'm not here trying to sell you anything today, but I'm going to try and tell you what it is and why God's church is so great. See, I got saved on July the 11th, 1982. I was saved into a great church, one of the great churches in Australia today. Pastor Fred was a pastor in that church. It was called back then Clemson AOG, which became Paradise uh, Assemblies of God, which then became uh, or Paradise Community Church and then became now Influencers. It's one of the great churches uh, in Australia. I love it. I've only been in two churches in my life, right? Influencers Church and this church. And I only plan to be in two churches in my life, by the way, right? So uh, not going anywhere. So uh, uh, I didn't understand anything about church. I didn't know a church like this existed. I had no idea. And I went into that church. I was suspicious of all the young people my age. There seemed to be a whole lot of young people my age. None of them smoked dope or got drunk. And I thought, that can't be right. That's something weird going on here. I had no culture, no concept of how church culture ran, what was supposed to be good. I remember going to the youth group about a week later, and a girl came and spoke to me. And I thought, this is awesome. Right? This is fantastic. This doesn't normally happen. Girls don't normally come and just speak to me. This is fantastic. I thought it was amazing. Little did I realize that she wasn't interested in what I was interested in. Right? So uh, I soon learned. Right? See, God used the church to disciple me. The church, that church, Paradise Community Church, became the vehicle that God used to make me and God used to mold me, to change me and to form me. Yes, I gave my life to Christ. Yes, it is spiritual, but all my development happened because of the church and in that church. It was that church I learned I needed to get a job, that God didn't want me to be on the dole forever, and that God had a job for me, even though I didn't like that job at that time. Right? He taught me and taught me that I needed to love people, not use people. It was church people who stood by me as I tried to work that thing and and, and the value of living a drug and alcohol-free life, but who encouraged me and loved me through some of those times. It was at church that I made lifelong friends. That if something were to happen to me today, that those friends are the ones that get by me and I know that I can rely on them as long as I can. It was at church I met Nina. Probably the best thing ever happened to me. Other than meeting Jesus, meeting Nina. It was awesome. It's that church where I dealt with the tragedies of life that helped me when my father died, helped me when my sister died, helped me when I, when I lost a job because of my own incompetencies and, and all of those different things. That's, it was the church and the people of the church that helped me. It was that church that God developed my personality and I, and I started to use the talents and abilities that God had put in my life. It was that church that I... Uh, the priorities of life and understood that if I put the kingdom first, everything else would sort out. If I have one abiding gratefulness to the Paradise Church was the fact that they taught me and my leaders taught me, put 
God first. Put the kingdom first. A lot of times the word church and kingdom was interchangeable there. Sometimes that's not so good. But in the end, what it was is it put me, put God first. Put the things of the church first. And let me tell you, you're blessed if you do those things. It was the church that made me into the person that I am. Yes, it was God. Yes, it was the Holy Spirit. Yes, it was because I grew to knew Jesus better. But it was the church that God used as the vehicle to do all of those things. I remember very clearly the 25th anniversary service for Paradise Church, where we just kind of celebrated some of the good things that God had done over the years. And I remember sitting in church just weeping, which isn't unusual, right? As I was overwhelmed, just pretty much the same there, I watched that video and I just get overwhelmed, right, with the goodness of God, with just the, what I see. And because and I just love people, I see people's faces and I see it and I go, oh, and I, that's what I love, that's why I cry, right? And, and, and I was just sitting there because of the goodness of God, that God took this drug addict, hopeless guy that had no real ability or talent, was starting to, just started to lose it mentally, was, was really had no hope to make anything of his life, and he given me a great life. I literally think I am a walking, talking example of the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that boastfully because it's all God's goodness. It's not my goodness. It's God's goodness. But as I applied the word of God, as I sat in church, as I went through the different disciplines and the things I didn't like, and, and I just submitted myself to God and his church, God led me into a great place and to a life that I believe is, I'm, I'm loving it. I think it's a great life. I'm eternally grateful for that place, the church. I still think that the most important decision that you make, right, around church is what church you plant yourself into. Because without planting yourself into a church, you will not flourish. So I say to you, this year live by building his house. How do you build his house? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Right? So uh, <laughs> this morning, you've already, one of the main ways we, get, we, we uh, build a house is by your giving, by your tithing and offering and, and being obedient to those things. We talked about that. Number two is we build his house by coming, which is the actual very definition of the word church. Leave home and publicly gather. Leave home and publicly gather. See, if coming isn't your priority, then you'll never build his house. You've actually got to leave your house to be the church. That's the definition. You know, people will ask you, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Now, I guarantee you in heaven, right, guys go, sorry, you never went to a mass church, you can't come in. Right? That's it. Or you didn't go to another church, you didn't go to this church. That's not what it's about. But I will say this, you will not achieve your God-given plan your destiny that God has for you if you're not attached to the house of God in some place, in some way, right? It's what God uses. It's the way that God has chosen to do what he does. You know, some people say, well, well I, can, I, I, can, I can witness to more people because I'm not always in church. I'm not always in a meeting. Well, if you lead them to Christ, where are you going to bring them, Right? And people say, but I'll read my Bible at home. I'll, I'll, I'll pray at home. And people do for a while, but they soon stop. And then their prayer life really just becomes adding crisis. They look at the church and they criticize the church that they're not going to 
when instead of being at the church where they can be a solution to the very thing that they're actually criticizing. Right? So I would sit there and say, no, you don't. It's not a method of salvation, but it is a method of discipleship that God chooses to use. When God rebuked the servant who buried his talent, he said, at least you could have put it with the bankers. And I want to say, you may never do anything here at our church. You may never put one dollar in the offering. You may never kind of talk to anyone, but just by coming, you add to the church. Just by filling a seat, you actually build God's church. Number three is you build his house by serving. We bang on about this a lot, but it's true. When God saved you, he had someone else in mind. Everything that God has given to you wasn't just for you. It's because he wants you to bless others. A Christianity that doesn't help others is no Christianity at all. It's literally no Christianity at all. That's a foreign gospel. Right? We are a family, and like any family, there's roles, there's chores, and there's responsibility. 1 Peter 4 tells us that God has given each one of us gifts by the grace of God, not because we're good, but once again because He's good, by the grace of God. And those gifts are there not to serve ourselves, but to serve others. Mary and Martha teach us a lot about serving. Yes, sitting before Jesus is the most important. Knowing Jesus, hearing Jesus' voice, desiring Jesus must be our goal. But it always leads to serving. Serving his house and serving one another. In God's church, we must all sit. That's your highest priority. That you become a growing disciple of Jesus Christ. That's our highest thing. Mary has chosen a good thing. Right? That's he's chosen the choicest part. That's the choicest part. But in the end, we still must serve. We actually sit so that we can serve. If we only make it about serving, we'll soon, as Martha did, become anxious. Right? But as we sit, then our serving is done out of rest. Our serving is done out of resource. And it's an easy thing to do. If there's no sitting when we serve, eventually we become empty and we start to go, well, why am I even doing this? Because you're doing it for yourself because there's nothing inside. You haven't sat. So sitting is the most important, but it doesn't mean we don't serve. See, we're all connected to each other, and it's through serving that we strengthen that connection. If all you do is attend church, you are building his house, but change that. Get involved, serve somewhere, and start attending or involving yourself somewhere, sir. Number four, we build his house through prayer and encounter. The church is a spiritual organization, not just an organization. The church is not a club. It's not a workplace. It's not just a gathering place. We come together as God's organization to plunder hell. There's a purpose behind what we do, and that's to plunder hell. We want to be a a place that people can encounter God. In 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about a church service. No, 1 Corinthians 14, sorry. It talks about a church service 
And what it says is that out of that service, someone says who's unsaved, surely God is in this place. I, I love that. I hear testimonies again and again and again of someone who brings someone who's not a Christian and then they're sitting in church and, and something, it's like the preacher. You know, I remember my brother once asked me, did you talk to, to the preacher and tell him about me? Because, and I'm going, no, but if I had, I would have written exactly what you said. right? So, uh, uh, because God knows someone's story. Surely God is in this place. I want them to love the lights. I want them to love the singing. I want them to love the preaching. I want them to love the car park and have everything that's good and great. But in the end, I want them to go, surely God is in this place. When you come, even though you may have been a Christian for 40 years, I want you to sense God. I want you to have a hunger for God, an expectation for God. Church needs to be a place. It does all those other things. It needs to be a great organization but it's where we have to encounter God. It's where we need to encounter God. And, and we need to do that. See, I want church to be a place where there's good content, your thinking is stimulated, all of those things. But I want God to move. I want God to move. Church needs to be such a good place. We need to buy a fast charger because this morning my charger ran out. So, and I've only got 10% of battery left, so I'm going to have to talk fast. All right. The first thing on Tuesday, buy a fast charger for an iPad. All right. See, when we hone our spiritual disciplines, you don't have to do it now, Neil. It's all right. All right, so <laughs> he's waiting at the line of Apple now. All right, so see, praise and worship is a spiritual discipline that directs you. When you it builds God a house when you praise. He builds a, his house in your heart. So don't be a spectator when it comes to praise and worship, but seek after God and seek after him building something in your life by participating. Seeking, asking, knocking. We need a position and a posture of encounter. We, we need a, a posture of the thirsty, of the hungry, yeah. to, to put yourself in a place where you can encounter Jesus. That's, it's, it's the well that I want you to drink from. Yeah. The reason that we have summer, and it's a pretty excellent summer this year, if there's no lockdown, right? But have a look at the speakers that we have. We've got a summit coming up. Pastor Mark Berrig, he's one of the voices in the world today in Christian work. Pastor Matt Hines, a great friend, but a fantastic authority. And Pastor Ken Lee, who has built a church out of nothing into 4,000 people with over 100 nations in his church. We've got fantastic speakers, but it's not so you can just hear good speaking. I want you to have an encounter with God. I want you to meet with God. I want us to come together as a family and enjoy a meal. You know, recently I just got together with our family two Monday nights ago, all of the in-laws and outlaws and new in, you know, new boyfriends and things like that. Right? But, uh, um, sorry, you, you know, like I, we just got together. Sorry, I just got distracted. Right? So uh, we just got together and that getting together was good for my soul. Yeah. When the church gets together as family, it's good for our soul. Not putting this on so you can come to another meeting. I want God to touch you. But you've got to put yourself in the position. Being at home, watching it, I'm doing it's it's just not gonna cut it. It's here. 
where you put yourself in that place and say, God, I want to be touched. If, if, if you want God to touch you, then be hungry. Yeah. Be like blind Bartimaeus and call out the name of Jesus. Yeah. Call out the name of Jesus. That's what summit's for. We build our house through prayer. You know, prayer isn't for God. It's for us. Don't think your prayer adds anything to God. It doesn't do anything for God. It adds to you. Prayer shows you where, where you believe the power is. That's what prayer does. Prayer shows me that you know where the power source is. Prayer demonstrates humility because you're demonstrating my reliance is on God and not myself. Prayer shows you the direction of your heart. You know, Jesus said a natural father wouldn't give a stone when his son asked for bread. So much more my heavenly father will give you if you ask for the Holy Spirit. So we're going to have prayer meetings on a Tuesday morning, every Tuesday morning on the month of September and pray for summer because that's a spiritual discipline. We're going to say, God, we want you to move. God, we want there to be a touch of God because we can do all the natural things, but prayer is what calls down the presence of God. So every Tuesday morning from 6 to 7, every Tuesday on the September, we're going to be praying for the summer. That is an incredible time that God moves on people's hearts. We're going to pray on Thursday nights at Moray Field and at Redcliffe, just from 6 to 7 again, just praying that God is going to move. We'll give you lots of uh, forewarning about when that's going to happen. But spiritual disciplines build the house of God. We build his house by loving one another. Loving one another is incredibly important when it comes to building God's house. Jesus said, by this we will know that they are my disciples, by your love for one another. Because in the world, people don't love one another. But in the church, people need to love one another. One of the great pictures of heaven that I love is in Isaiah, where it talks about the boy will, will be next to the snake and the lion will be next to the lamb. And that's what is the house of God. People that should be natural enemies are all of a sudden natural friends. And there's safety, no matter who it was. There's no division. We're all just children of God and we love each other. Hell hates love. Hate and fear are the building blocks of hell and love destroys both of those. Love destroys hate. Love casts out fear. Love fosters forgiveness. Love creates kindness. Love nurtures belonging. Love promotes unity. Love is the opposite of what people expect in the world. So when true love is shown in the house of God, it's going to be incredibly attractive to those who have yet to know Jesus. Gossip, judgment, tale-telling, lies, anger, competition, arrogance, selfishness, penance, accusation, and many of the other things should be like a horrible sound. When you hear someone gossiping, it should be like the nails down a blackboard. It'd be like, oh, I hate that sound. You know what it should be? I reckon they did a survey of the world's most annoying noise, and it's when you leave your seatbelt off, Right? <laughs> They, and a ding, ding, ding. That's what gossip, that's what tale-telling should be. That's what lying should be. That's what anger should be. Oh, my goodness, I hate that sound. That sound doesn't fit in here. 
What's the first thing you do? Like sometimes I'll stop to look at the mail and I think, oh, it's only 100 metres. I can make it to the car park. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like I'm sticking this thing in. And that's how I want all those things, selfishness, right? Self-seeking and, and those things. I, I, I just, that's a horrible sound. Let's be friendly. Let's be easy to talk to. Let's have an inviting culture. Come and have a coffee with me. Come and sit with us. Come to my house and have some dinner. Just on that one. When was the last time you invited someone from church to dinner, to your place for a meal? Ooh, shit's gone quiet. All right, for you blokes, let's go play golf or, or do something like that. Go fishing. Let's do something. Come over and join our table. One of the, oh, when I'm a pastor and I just see people alone and, and there's other people, just invite them. You're your brother and sister. They're not going to bite you. I know that you Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if you couldn't, if, if you had this little kind of self-tick that said, you know, like, um, if I haven't met someone for two weeks at church new, I'm going to go find someone who's new and go and talk to them. Right? You know, since Nina and I have been here 11 years, there has not been one Sunday, not even one Sunday, where over our four services there hasn't been someone new. There's always new people. There's always someone here for the first time. But the thing is, for the first time, I think we do really well. It's for the person who's been here five times that you've said hello to before and, and all those things. Let's be a family. I'd imagine I go to a family dinner, and because Tori's got a new boyfriend, I go, oh, I'm not sure about you. Right? Uh, you can sit on that table. You can come with us. But, you know, like, uh, catch the bus. I'm not taking you in our car. Right? Like, that wouldn't be friendly, would it? We'd all think, and I think Tori would be upset as well. Right? So uh, I'm glad she's at Morayfield. Right? So uh, through preferring one another above ourselves, we build the house of God. The last way, maybe the banker come, is that we build God's house. And this is probably the most important. We build God's house by bringing someone. <laughs> That's not a bad one. Jesus in his great commission told us what the church was about. He gave us the two sides of the coin. Go into all the world, preach the, preach the gospel and make disciples. So much of church can be about the making of disciples, and that's good. It's what we're asked to do. We want you to grow in the things of God. But half of the Great Commission is about winning souls, about telling people about Jesus. Now, it is difficult because, to be honest, right now we have a society that's becoming more antagonistic to the things of Christians. But the Bible does tell us, right? It says, blessed are you when men revile you and say all sorts of evil against you for my name's sake. I want to tell you, we live in a whole lot better place than what the people did who wrote that in the Bible. If you look at the book of Acts, it wasn't a great time. It wasn't an easy time. People are being put to death. And as you look at church history, people have been put to death places all throughout church history. And even this week, when we saw what's happening in Afghanistan, we see that even now, in 2021, people are still being put to death because they believe in Jesus. You know, we can sit there and think about all these different things, but and there may be a direction that we're heading, but we are definitely in a good place right now in Australia. 
you can tell still you can still tell someone about Jesus. And we need to be out there plundering hell to make disciples. We need to be out there telling people about Jesus. You know, the church is built on the revelation of who Jesus is, sent by heaven. Right? It's not our job to save them. It's not our job to be able to explain perfectly who God is or how God is. That's God's job. Our job is to point them in the direction of God. And it's God's job, it's God's Holy Spirit who will bring conviction. Remember this, my job, direction. God's job, conviction. My job, direction. God's job, conviction. My job, direction. I point them through behaviour, through my words. I point them to Jesus. But salvation comes from God. Ask God for divine appointments. Expect and believe that God will send you someone. I I heard a testimony this week. I had to speak to a a church in Melbourne via Zoom and they did a few testimonies. There's one young guy and he goes, you know, I haven't been speaking a lot about Jesus lately. And he goes, so what I want to do is I started to say, God, give me divine appointments. And so I was writing in my journal and I'm literally writing in my journal like, God, I, I want you to give me divine appointments and, and I need to start to be ready and looking for those. And he's writing these things down and he looks up and there's a girl's face right there. What are you doing? That's what her question was. What are you doing? What are you writing? And he started to tell her. Three hours later, he led her to Jesus Christ. How good is that? Right? See, if we have, we have not because we ask not. Ask for divine appointments. And then have the courage. God's going to bring someone along your way. When was the last time you asked for that? To believe for that. Put yourself in situations where you're with the unsaved. Put yourself in situations where you're with the unsaved. So that you can be a witness and they can be attracted to the teachings of Jesus. Be a bringer. Not just of the unsaved, but of the backslider. Or even a member of the church who can't get here. I love it when I see people bringing people to church. I I think it's fantastic. I I think it's great. So let your car be Jesus' donkey, so to speak. And actually start bringing people to church. The backslider who's just kind of maybe disappointed, who's maybe hurt, who's maybe a bit upset. Go and ring them and call them and just say, Hey, I'm with you. I'm for you. Can I bring you to church? Whatever it be. You can sit next to me. So we build our house, we build God's house by our giving. We build God's house by coming. We build God's house by serving. We build God's house by praying. We build God's house by loving. And we build God's house by bringing. I want us to stand right now. I want to do something a little bit different. You know, now provision for the Vision Sunday. I think it would be great for us as a church to make a fresh commitment to God's house, make a fresh commitment to His church. That Emerge Church would be a fruitful well that God wants it to be, and that the gates of hell would not prevail and have to start to give up its people. The fires of hell are not locked down. They're still open. 
And the church of God needs to go in and plunder. So we're going to do something unusual. Not unusual in what we do. We do it in a lot of weeks, but it's unusual for you as the church to do. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to say this after me. Like we do someone making a commitment to Christ. I'm going to ask you to just make this commitment this morning to church. Dear God, thank you for your church. I commit afresh to build your church. Through my giving, through my coming, through my serving, through my praying, through my loving, and through my bringing. God, I ask you to use Emerge Church as a weapon against hell to see many people come to Christ and many people discipled into Christ. Let Emerge Church be full of thirsty people, an eternal life-giving well. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we commit ourselves to build your church, to build your church, oh God. We thank you, O oh Lord, that it's your vehicle and the way that you've chosen to bring the message of the gospel of the good news out to a dying, sin-filled world. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, use our church, build our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing that. And Julie's going to come in just a moment. Thank you.